The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. My name is Dustin McGinnis. I am your host. I am a musician, filmmaker, and an all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett, clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. So today we're going to be talking about Jessica Jones. Dr. Scarlett, can you please tell us about Jessica Jones? Sure. Jessica Jones is a Marvel superhero. She is one of the Defenders. Um, When she was a young child, uh, she and her family were involved in a terrible car crash, and her parents and her brother all died in the car crash. And Jessica Jones actually uh, gained superpowers from that crash. She gained super strength and an ability to jump really high, which gives her an ability to almost fly. She used these abilities to help other people. She became a superhero and started saving other people's lives. Unfortunately, when she's an adult, Jessica comes across an evil supervillain, the Purple Man, or as he's also known, Kilgrave. Kilgrave has a unique ability by using his pheromones to control people. When he's near somebody, he's able to order them in any way he wishes. He's able to call out any command, and people around him will do exactly what he says. Kind of mind control. Exactly. He uses mind control. With Jessica, he forces her to essentially become his slave by simply ordering her, causes her to engage in sexual relations with him for an extended period of time. To me, this is a definition of sexual assault. Although he doesn't use physical force to restrain her, he uses his manipulation to get his way. Jesse, Do not call me that. We used to do a lot more than just touch hands. Yeah. It's called rape. What? Which part of staying in five-star hotels, eating in all the best places, doing whatever the hell you wanted is rape? the part where I didn't want to do any of it. In the TV show, Kilgrave also causes Jessica to do something that she normally would consider immoral. Take care of her. Specifically, he forces Jessica to kill another human being. And this is where Jessica snaps and manages to run away from him. However, understandably, she becomes traumatized. And in the beginning of the series, when if you were to watch the Marvel TV show on Netflix, we see just how much of an effect he had on her. Jessica is having nightmares, flashbacks of what happened. She's overwhelmed. She's angry. She's abusing alcohol to try to forget her trauma. And she's avoiding talking about what happened to her. In a lot of ways, Jessica meets the full criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. Which I thought they 
you know, displayed very well. I mean, I'm not a psychologist or anything. Um, what do you think? Did they display it? I think that I do. I think that the television show did a really good job of capturing what PTSD might look like for some people. Um, I think that the symptoms that Jessica was having on the show seem real, and these are the symptoms that I've both experienced myself and have seen a lot of trauma survivors experience after something as traumatic as sexual assault. Speaking of PTSD, you recently wrote a blog post for the Legion of Leia um, regarding the Kilgrave effect, which I thought it was an excellent article, and it you know dove into you know the current Hollywood um, scandal that's going on and everything. Can you please talk about what this uh, Kilgrave effect you're describing in the article is? Sure. After Jessica experienced the horrible abuse by Kilgrave. She avoided him, understandably, because she was terrified of the repercussions that he might have on her. She was terrified of what he might do if he ever found her, of his power over her. In the article, I talk about why people who survived sexual assault, such as the many women of Hollywood, for instance, who survived sexual assault at the hands of Harvey Weinstein, the Hollywood producer, might have been afraid to come forward all of these years until until now. The truth is many people feel helpless and hopeless after experiencing sexual assault, um, especially when it was done by somebody as powerful as Kilgrave or as Harvey Weinstein. Um, in many people's cases, the sexual assault was uh, perpetrated by maybe a powerful family member or a boss or somebody that they would be extremely afraid to retaliate against, uh, fearing terrible consequences. And just like Jessica Jones, many of the people who are speaking out now were understandably afraid of what might happen to them if they spoke out. And I think that the people who are speaking out now are incredibly, incredibly courageous, as was Jessica Jones and the many characters in the Jessica Jones show who later came together and actually formed a kind of support group around being Kilgraved. Well, after this, um, you know, Me Too campaign that's been going on, it appears like I, I really don't know that many women who have not been harassed. And sadly, men and women um, have been sexually assaulted. What are some ways that these people can use something like Jessica Jones to recover from these feelings and the sexual assault and the trauma that they experienced? So uh, for those of you who don't know, um, the Me Too campaign that has been going on is an invitation really on social media sites for people who've experienced um, sexual assault or harassment to write a Me Too hashtag as a way to demonstrate how many people, men and women alike really, have been affected by sexual assault and sexual harassment there's a lot of power in numbers. It's it's both terrifying and, and really upsetting to see how many people have been affected by something like this. But I think there's also a power in having a voice, a, a unity um, that allows people to speak out about their traumatic experiences that they haven't previously been able to do. I've had multiple clients these past few weeks report to me that they're both really overwhelmed by what's happening, but also really grateful because they feel like they have a platform to tell their story. 
I've seen people sharing their personal stories on social media that they say that they've never shared with anybody else. And it's, of course, it's terrifying what happened to them. And it's very, very sad and, and awful. But at the same time, it's empowering to see that people are getting the strength and the courage to stand up for the truth, to let the world know what they have been through, and perhaps to find justice for themselves. On the show, the characters on the show who have been Kilgraved actually form a support group, as you might remember. And by getting together in this way, they were able actually to find some strength and healing. For Jessica, it was to connect with her core values of protecting other people. Trish, I want to applaud your courage. You've always been a hero to the downtrodden. Self-preservation be damned. It's admirable, but my question is, if there really is a man with the abilities you've described, someone who could make anyone, anywhere, do whatever he wanted them to do, it seems to me that insulting him would be wildly dangerous. Or, oh, let's just say it, Stupid in the extreme. Everyone has feelings, even, um, uh, how do you put it? Sadistic, corrosive men. No! When she realized that her best friend was being killgraved, was being assaulted in a similar way that she was, that's when she started taking action by realizing that she has a responsibility and she can do something to help other people. Jessica is able to not only stand up to her perpetrator, she's able to find meaning and healing in her trauma. And I think that ultimately, this is where people um, are able to find healing as well. People all over the world now that are joining this Me Too campaign, I think it's a part of healing. I think the ability to share our story, to tell our story can go a really, really long way to to start our healing journey. Yeah, it's kind of like connections. It's kind of like another support group where people can reach out to that person. Absolutely. Or, or, or feel that, you know, hey, it's not, I'm not the only one and you're not the only one. Absolutely. And I think it actually reduces the shame and stigma by seeing this virtual, global, united effect that people can now um, have together. I think not only does it take away the shame of having experienced sexual assault, but it allows people to more freely share their experiences so that they can then receive the support that they need from people around them. So you talked about what people who experience sexual assault can do and, and the connections they made and everything. What can others do to support them? Listening is the most important thing people can do. I think that very often when we find out someone is hurting, we want to say something, we want to fix it, we want to take it away. Because the truth is, seeing somebody else being hurt hurts us too. But I think what we need to remember is by listening, by giving the person an opportunity to tell their story more than once, to tell their story over and over and over again, actually allows them to process and heal in a very therapeutic way. I think sometimes we might be uncomfortable if somebody shares their story several times. We might tell them not to think about it or to focus on something else or to try to forget it, but that's actually not very helpful. To allow the person the space to share their story as many times as they need to actually does help. And in, in listening and in holding their hand or providing that safe shared space, you're actually making a huge 
difference for that person's life. Another thing that people can do is um, maybe keeping a lookout. If they see that somebody is being harassed or targeted, then checking on the person to see if they're safe, to see if they need somebody to walk home with them, to see if um, maybe if they're doing okay and if they need anything. Um, something that um, is might sound simple but is so powerful and so important that many men can do. If you're walking on a dark street close behind a woman, see if you can slow down or cross the street to make a woman feel safe. As somebody that has been attacked on a dark street in the middle of the night, I can tell you that whenever I walk by myself, if somebody's walking behind me, I feel very uncomfortable. And if somebody slows down or crosses the street, I feel extremely, extremely grateful and many women feel the same way. And of course, this does not only pertain to women, but I think in general, we can make other people feel safer if we don't walk very closely behind them on a dark, secluded street. I think offering company, offering support when we see that somebody's uncomfortable can be very important. And similarly, if you witness somebody, even if you think two people are on a date, if you witness somebody harassing or bullying or threatening someone else, interfere. Um, ask the person that's being harassed if they need help, if they feel unsafe. Do ask. The worst thing that happens is that they say no. But the truth is, the the more you're likely to interfere, the more likely you are to help the person feel safer or potentially to save a life. This whole situation, the unity that I'm seeing, it's kind of reinvigorated that, that strength for me personally too, to reach out and try to help people who are you know struggling in these situations and I, I think it has for a lot of other people too um, I mean I'm, I'm sure people are going to stand up a little bit more and Hollywood man you know it might timber down it might start an effect where other people will be outed as well because it's developing the strength so you were explaining some things that we can do but can you also provide an avenue of resources that people can go to where they can receive some support? Absolutely. Um, one of the most prevalent um, support sites for survivors of sexual assault is RAIN. That's R-A-I-N-N dot org. RAIN provides numerous resources and information for survivors of sexual assault, whether it's men or women or non-gendered people who experience sexual assault, um, whether it's by a family member, whether it's in the military, whether it's um, by an, an intimate partner. In addition to uh, learning different kinds of information, there's also numerous resources for receiving um, a safe housing or receiving um, psychological support. In addition, websites like Psychology Today can help people find a psychologist in their area who specialize in PTSD, for instance, or sexual assault. And you can narrow these results by specialty, by insurance, for example, by types of therapy that people provide and um, you can also read different providers bios in addition a number of um, Hollywood actors models and journalists are now gathering together to form a network uh, which would consist of lawyers and mental health professionals um, which would provide support and guidance to people who survive sexual assault or sexual harassment of some kind 
to um, inform people of their rights, um, as well as to educate uh, people about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate in, for example, the workplace environment. I think, unfortunately, a lot of the sexual harassment workshops that different kinds of companies and organizations um, currently have just don't quite um, do the job. I think a lot of them are um, funny. They make a joke out of the whole thing um, and are so unrealistic and, and comical and satirical that they don't quite provide useful information where I think some uh, microaggressions, for example, could be missed or where um, some signs of sexual harassment that a lot of people might not recognize might might occur. Um, so I think that we all need to be more vigilant. We, I think we can all be uh, Jessica Jones. We can all be the defenders on the lookout for other people who might need our help. I think that if we, as humans as a unity form our own version of the defenders to be on the lookout for any criminal activity, any sexual harassment, any sexual assault that we witness, then I think that our community and our society can be a lot safer. During this conversation, uh, I can't help but keep imagining this poor individual who is going through this and feeling all alone and, you know, just struggling to cope with what's going on. Can you say anything to someone like that, someone who is suffering in silence and not knowing where to go or what to do? Or, you know, can you speak directly towards a person like that? Yes. If you're listening and if you've ever experienced sexual assault or harassment, if you feel alone, scared, overwhelmed, know that you're not alone. Know that I see you, I hear you, I believe you. Know that I'm here to support you in any way I can. All of us are. Know that you can reach out for help. Know that people out here are here to protect you, to support you, to welcome you. And know that you don't have to go through this alone. And that's what we're really seeing anyway is that, you know, you're not really alone. There's there's so many. I mean, if you look at the Me Too's on your feeds and everything like that, there are so many um, men and women alike. So I'm sure you can extend anything out to these people as well. This conversation also brings me to back to your, your book, Superhero Therapy. Um, in it, you have a character named Shadow um, who experienced sexual assault. Can you go ahead and... Uh, Talk about her and the significance of her healing process. Shadow was a demon hunter who was sexually assaulted by her partner. Um, this was someone she trusted and couldn't believe that he did that to her. As a result, Shadow stops hunting. She shuts down. She experiences severe trauma symptoms and goes on to attend a superhero training academy to help her better manage her symptoms. In the academy, she meets a number of other people who are also struggling, and she makes friends. Even though the people that she meets have different types of struggles, whether it's panic attacks or depression or social anxiety, what she realizes is that different people are struggling with different things. We all have our internal demons to slay our own monsters that we have to face on daily basis. 
And through this kind of connection, we're all very similar to each other. She realizes that by helping somebody else who's struggling, she's also finding her own healing too. And by supporting other people, she finds space to heal as well. Um, she actually manages to save an entire demon-infested school um, toward the end of the book. Um, spoilers. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it too much. But the idea is that ultimately, even though we go through these horrific things in our lives, a lot of times these really painful experiences might actually be our call to action. And for people like Jenna Bush, for example, the founder for the Legion of Leia, um, she informed me that her own history of sexual assault and sexual harassment actually inspired her to start a feminist website to help women gain a voice, whereas they previously might not have felt that they could have one. For people like Jessica Jones, who have been sexually assaulted by somebody with a powerful influence, helping people who are now currently in that situation allows them to no longer feel afraid, to feel empowered, to to find strength and courage that probably they didn't know they had. No way. And I think when all of us band together against injustice, that's when we win. That's when evil loses. Stop staring, start climbing. Now! And that's when we find the strength to recover and to find meaning in what happened to us. This episode is very heavy, but ultimately it's very necessary and I'm very happy to be a part of reaching out and um, providing this kind of healing to whoever is out there listening that has experienced sexual assault, um, sexual harassment, and other types of traumas. But ultimately, something like this, this deep conversation, needs to be had. I agree, and I think that's really the goal. The purpose of this podcast, the purpose of the Me Too hashtag, the purpose of a lot of these TV shows like Jessica Jones is to open this conversation, to reduce mental health stigma, to allow people who've survived trauma to understand that we are not alone in this and that we can share the experiences that we've been through, we can bond together, and we can find meaning in what happened to us. Very well said. We're going to go ahead and end this episode. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on all social media under Superhero Therapy. Thank you for joining us for this very special episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. This podcast is within the network of Assembly of Geeks. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a brand new episode. <laughs>